We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Clint, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the fucker fly, man. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Whatever 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night, you know? Whatever. But no, I'm serious. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. There's Dabo doing the gritty. I say right foot creep. Cheers, boys. We've got rankings, which we're going to get to. We've got matchups, which we're also going to get to. Um, you Obviously, we're powered by Bet Rivers. Um, you can follow us live via YouTube or Twitter. And we got, listen, this is Wednesdays when I get together with these guys, we have a lot of fun. Uh, first up, we've got Trevor Knight, former Oklahoma and Texas A&M quarterback, uh, field of 12 analyst. Trevor, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, it's Wednesday. I, I love Wednesdays because you can steal a little bit from last week. You can look a little bit ahead. It's perfect, perfect show. Excited for the night. And then we got Kevin Slumman, the coach, our coach. <laughs> A&M, Houston, Arizona, field of 12 analysts, Coach Sumlin, how are you? Great. I agree with Trevor. You know, everybody's already analyzed last week. We'll talk about that a little bit, but it's time to move on as well. So we get the best of both worlds on Wednesday nights. Oh, you listen, you're listen, you're you're it's not that you're preaching to the choir because I know it, but the reality of it is is we're gonna talk the CFP rankings and give some reactions. We're gonna talk some dark horses, we're gonna talk big 12. Are they on the rise? And we're gonna talk a lot more, but before we get to that. Coach Sumlin, I want to start with you. Toast of the night. What do you got for me? You know, I've, I've gone around and, you know, I have some interesting ones, right? What I hit Mac Brown last week and, yeah. and everybody said, what, what, what is that about? Um, hey, it paid know, off. <laughs> it, yeah, well, that, that's right. But I'm going to go with a, a, a quarterback that uh, threw for seven touchdowns in one half last week, nine total, Tanner Mordecai. Just out of nowhere, blazing it up, 
up and down the field against my Houston Cougars, <laughs> which I did not like. But uh, uh, seven and one half, nine for the game. He gets my my toast of the week. I listen. I love it, Coach. Cheers, everybody. Hey, there we go. Hey, if you like offense, you enjoyed that game. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, that was it was an insane game. SMU and Houston, for those that don't know, for the uninitiated, it was, it was, I mean, up and down, 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 just going up and down the field. I was like, somebody's going to have to get a stop. <laughs> well, at least Houston made some kind of adjustments because he didn't throw seven more in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win. That's a win on the defensive side. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. T Knight, what you got? All right, so Drew Pine threw for only 85 yards in yep. the win over Clemson. So my toast of the night, I'm going to read these plays off from the game cast. Prince Collie, 17-yard return of a blocked punt <laughs> later in the game. Benjamin Morrison, 96-yard interception return. Guys, we talk about three phases of the game. Notre Dame got a huge win, putting three phases all together. Defense, special teams, huge plays, step up. So cheers to the Fighting Irish, big-time win, but for all three phases coming in clutch. Good I, I love that. I love that. I love the. I, I love that because so often we forget about both the concept of hidden yardage and special teams as a weapon. And I listen, you almost, you, you, man, you might make me change what I have. <laughs> no, you know what? Listen, I've been critical of TCU uh, because I don't like the angles that they've taken to the football. But we saw some real vice tackling from TCU. And I just, I got to, I got to toast to, to I'm going to toast. This isn't just TCU. This is just football in general. I'm toasting to vice tackling where you have an outside, a hammer guy, a splatter guy, and then you just have the ball carrier in the middle and you squeeze it. It's like a pimple. You're popping a pimple. And they pop some pimples against Texas Tech. And I like that's all I want to see. That's what I want. I just want guys to move that way. So I'm toasting to that and Listen, if you're a fan that doesn't understand vice tackling, coach, can you can you kind of get into the weeds on it? <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, everybody gives a hard time because you know it's easier when it's in the box. You got more guys to, yeah. than population to the football, but when that ball gets on the perimeter, uh, you know, guys panic. They get square on the yeah. ball carrier. They don't use the sideline even as a vice, right? The twelfth, yes. the, the original twelfth man on the field, yes. line, right? To vice the ball, meaning use that and and and, and use your angles and, and leverage. So you know those are that's getting drilled a lot more now. But you know football is being played in space, and so when you play in space, uh, and some there's some great players. Great players, not yeah. good, great players out there, just like one-on-one -on -one basketball, right? Yeah. If you're playing a great player in space, it's helpless to put one-on-one. -on -one, you got to help it on defense, right? Force him one way to your help, and it's the same concept in, in vice tackle. I, I absolutely love it. Trevor, I listen, we talked a little pre-show about your hoops 
back in the day hoops where you're just out there busting some guys behind. So playing one-on-one is hard, man. Very hard, very hard. And that's a good point. You know, as an offensive guy myself and as most uh, not even novice fans, even some expert fans watching games, you follow the ball. And so we get oohed and odd when an offensive player makes a crazy move to make a defensive player miss. Yes. Not as often do we notice this type of pursuit from the defensive side of the ball because it looks routine, but it's really not routine. It's taking right. the right angles and it's an incredible play by that defender. It's just not an ooh-ah type of moment, but it's certainly the way that some of the guys that are, that are doing this technique are, uh, are finding themselves on rosters on Sundays for a long time. I'm going to ask you guys this. I'm going to start with you, Trevor, because you, you just answered you, – you you brought up a really good point, and then we're going to get into the rundown. But I want to ask you this, because you mentioned the fans. I think that football is a show or TV show for a lot of, a lot of people, and offense is the protagonist. Do you think I'm crazy for saying that? No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. For your – everyday fan they want to go and watch touchdowns and explosive plays and we all want to sit here and say oh you know bama lsu and death valley nine to seven you know kind of the old days of the sec grind grinded out um we all want to say we like those games but nobody's flipping on the tv hoping that it's going to be just a defensive matchup they want to see big plays on offense, yeah, except for a defensive guy, right? <laughs> they want to see a big-time offensive matchup, a shootout like the SMU game this past weekend where you yeah. see crazy catches, so on and so forth. Now, again, not speaking for everybody, I, I know both of you guys would rather see a defensive shootout flipped, right? Um, but, but for the most part, big-time offensive explosive plays is what everybody wants to watch. Coach? Sells tickets, right? Like yeah. Trevor said, it sells tickets and it sells advertising. So, you know, people really don't want to sit there. The the average fan or whatever, like, like Trevor said, most fans don't want to be somewhere for three hours and 15 minutes and watch, <laughs> and watch a, a six to three football game. Most fans don't. And, uh, you know, they want to see touchdowns. They want to see great catches, run backs. Things of that nature. So, yeah, it's like anything else. You know, you, there was a day where the same thing about basketball. You, you know, the the, the mid range jump shot is is an art, right? It, yeah. We want to see we want to see three pointers and dunks. That's what that's what people are coming to see, right? Not, we not see, hey, or we want to see Steph Curry pull up from half court and jump exactly. and chunk it up and drain it. It's, it's hey, exactly right. Same same Guys. same theory, right? I've listen. I'm from North Carolina. I went to UNC. Like nobody wants to watch the four corners. They 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 <laughs> literally changed the game. They created the shot clock so that they couldn't just hold the ball for the entire time. So I get it. I understand completely because what we're and then when you get to Roy Williams with the secondary break, that I mean that's a whole other thing to get into because we that's when we get into Ohio State or we get into TCU, which we're going to talk about all those teams. So let's start now. Um, coming out of the second week of the, the college football playoff rankings, Coach Sumlin, what what stood out to you? Because they clustered up all the undefeated teams now. 
and now we've got some some two lost teams, and we've got this, and we've got that, and what do we do? So what stood out to you? Well, I, you know, I think for the most part, they got it right. You know, because uh-huh. the way I see it, and I, everybody's going to get, I, I will probably get barbecued for this, but I, I there's really, I think there's three tiers right now, right? Sure. I think they, they got it right. You can mix those teams up. Georgia, right? Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, undefeated football teams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next two, I still believe, and I've, you've heard me from week two or three, Tennessee and how Bo Nix are playing can beat one of those team in a one-off in a one-off game in a playoff okay. situation. So I separate them in a second tier. Although okay. they are talented enough, and I think they can win a game in the playoffs to get hot and win it all. And then the third tier, I don't see a separation. LSU won a big game, but we all seen LSU before three weeks ago. Are they better? Yes. USC. I still haven't seen him play defense all year, right? Right. Kids right, right, right. them. Uh, it can't be, they're having. They were talented. I haven't seen Alabama's not the Alabama of old. We've seen the chinks in that armor. Clemson, who you know, they get beat by a, a average at best. Yes, Notre Dame team. You know, so Ole Miss, UCLA, you throw them in that whole group. You know, you they play one time. Who knows? I just think. It is it, last week. Some teams separated themselves, and there's three tiers. But the first four, I get it. However, you want to rank them, rank them because in the next three weeks, that's going to play itself out. Next sure. four weeks, but those other two, Tennessee and Oregon, I think they're right in the mix. And all they got to do is keep playing. And Tennessee's got the hardest road out of all of them. I've called it. I've I've called it striking distance. They're in striking distance. Yeah. And so Trevor, so Trevor, let's go to you. Let's 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 get to what you think. Was there something that stood out to you from this? Because or who? What's the team that you think that's the furthest out that still is in striking distance? Is it UCLA? Is it Ole Miss? Is it Clemson? Or is it that two loss Alabama or a two loss um, LSU? I think there's a couple different teams, Felder, and and I think that in a really weird far out chance. Uh, UNC's still in that conversation, just depending. I mean, we've seen crazier things, but I agree. Um, but but right now, UCLA is that team that I think is playing really good football with one with one blemish could potentially be two. You know that they're they're the one that is the furthest down in the rankings that I believe you know could could be mixed in with any of these teams that we see in, in the top. You know, what is that, seven, right? Yeah. Um, as it relates to the kind of the top group that we're discussing now, it's like the committee knew, hey, we're going to throw things out there week one. We don't really care because it's all going to take care of itself. Clemson loses, they're out. You know, Bama loses, they're out. You slide TCU up. You got – it made it easy on them. Four undefeated teams are the top four teams and then mix and match the rest. I will say this. If it was today, right now, for the college football playoff, I think that number five, Tennessee, number six, Oregon, and number seven, LSU, could all beat TCU at number four pretty easily. And that's not giving TCU enough credit because they are undefeated, they've won big games, and they've proven people wrong all year long. I just see the way Tennessee has played only blemish to Georgia. I've seen Mm -hmm. the way Oregon has played since the first loss of the season. And even the way LSU is playing right now with the big win over Bama. And and I just think, 
man, when TCU goes up into the teeth of defenses like that and big-time programs like that, that they struggle. So that's my hot take of the day. I don't think it's a hot take. I think you're looking at history and you you understand the way that it's worked. So the big thing for me, and I want to I want to hit these dark dark horse contenders. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Trevor, give me thirty. Coach, you give me thirty. What was your takeaway from that Alabama and LSU game? I'll go first here. Yeah, I think I think that it proved that Brian Kelly is the real deal. Yeah, uh, we looked at Brian Kelly and we made fun of him for standing up on the plat, the spinning platform, and dancing with the recruits and all this stuff. And then somewhat of a shaky start, you know, mm-hmm. the the close loss there to Florida State. But since that point, him and that team have put their head down. Those players have clearly bought into his system and his style. Yeah. And and they have some momentum behind him right now. I'm telling you, I, I didn't force He's a good coach. He's a really good coach. And he's always and, been a really good coach. And I know it was nighttime at Death Valley, and Bama's not quite the Bama coach. You said it a second ago that they've been in the past, but it's still the former Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, who played great for the most part. And it's still Nick Saban on the other side of the ball. And it's still Alabama coming to your house trying to knock you off. And and I thought they just weathered the storm. They took it head on. They locked the gate behind them. And um, and they played really good football. I think LSU is, like we mentioned a, a few minutes ago, one of those teams that could come out of the West and end up giving Georgia a run for their money in the title game. I agree. I mean, I – I, you know, it said two things to me. And, 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 you know, we've been talking about Alabama for the last couple, three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, are they getting better? It just didn't look like it. They got great quarterback right. play. They're not as explosive on the outside as they have been. They just aren't. And their defense has not been the defense that Alabama has been. That you got to give – everybody wants to talk about Alabama. got to give LSU credit. I mean, they, they yes. hung in there. They have gotten better. I mean, they have gotten better every week. They've weathered some storms, much like Oregon, right? We yes. wrote both of these teams off after week one. And even the, yeah. State, even the Florida State game, everybody says Florida State isn't very good. You know, we're looking at this. But these teams and these coaches and these players, uh, and again, I'll go back to this. You go back to you've got two two transfer quarterbacks in, 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 in this situation, right? Two guys, and I, I know this with Trevor personally, right? Early in the year, you got to get comfortable. And those guys are getting better, and their teammates are starting to feel them. The coaches are starting to feel them. And and Jaden Daniels is a, is a good player, and he's starting to assert himself just like Bo Nix, and that's a dangerous combination in the West for LSU. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hot damn, that's that, two good answers. Two great answers. I, the biggest thing for me, and listen, I'll say this. Matt House was a GA at UNC when I was there. So he's a guy that just yelled at me every day. <laughs> and watching him grow into his career has been amazing from like from Pitt and working like he's worked all over and just watching him grow has been really cool to see him go from a guy that Rudy T yelled at <laughs> for running a bingo to becoming, you know, essentially one of the premier defensive coordinators yeah. in college football right now. And that's, it's really cool to see somebody start from there to see the, them start and then where they are. So I'm going to go with that, but I want to go, cause I'm going to bring it back to North Carolina. I'm going to go dark horse contenders here. UNC, Ole Miss, UCLA, one loss teams. Give me, can you rank those teams for me in terms of, I'm going to start with you, uh, coach, someone. I'm going to start with you. One, two, three. UCLA, Ole Miss, UCLA. UNC. Uh, UNC, right? UNC, Ole Miss, UCLA. Which one of these teams do you think has an opportunity to kind of be a party crasher? Well, two of them, in my opinion, uh, have trigger guys that can crash the party, right? Yeah. Uh, DTR and Drake May. And here, let me give you some numbers. Right, we just—he almost got my 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 toast. Drake May, if I were to tell you, he has thrown for two thousand nine hundred and sixty-four yards already, yeah. and responsible for thirty-five touchdowns yep. against three three interceptions. Okay. Yep. You think I was talking about C.J. Stroud, or you think I was mm-hmm. talking about Hidden Hooker? No, that leads the country at his position. I mean, percentage-wise, he's seventy-one percent. He's playing at a extremely high level and yes because of that that's i mean they've got talent around him but you know dtr has is, has been a better player this year everybody's still sure. kind of waiting for the dtr to come out that we've seen but he's been consistent yeah i just don't see old miss i mean i know they ran the ball like they, they've been able to run it on everybody right yes but when it comes yes, they have to, it comes down to playing these top four teams Right. The one thing that these top four teams right now this last week have in common is they're going to score some points. Right. You better you have to find a way. You're not going to stop Ohio State from scoring. You're not going to stop Michigan. You're not going to stop TCU. You may. But those other two teams, UCLA, uh, the North Carolina, they can light it up and that's going to give them a chance against anybody. All right, Trevor, UNC, Uh Ole Miss. UCLA, put them in an order for me as a, as a threat because they they're in that they're in that quote unquote striking distance at, at, from the top fifteen going up. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Coach. I, I think the quarterback play plays a lot into it. Now, what's interesting about Ole Miss is you got to give a little credit to where credit is due at the quarterback position. Jackson Dart, yes. kid that was at USC, you know, coaching change, doesn't know Lincoln and the staff that's coming in. So he says, you know what, I'm going to go poke my nose around and see if I can find a home. Goes down to Ole Miss – Dive straight in. And look, I I know how difficult it is to go to a different school. I sure. don't know how difficult it is to go to a different school as a young guy and become a leader. Hang on. Let me can I ask you something? Can you just can you give me just a quick 60 seconds on transferring? Because I think people think it's willy-nilly, no big deal, pick up and leave, do whatever, do whatever. And they don't realize that you're leaving the stuff, everything that you've ever known that you're leaving your friends, that you're leaving – it could be you, – you could be leaving your girlfriend. You could be moving away from your family. Like, can you just give me a quick 60 seconds on transferring? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll relate it to the real world for most of us that are that are in, you know, the workforce and things like that. If you're a, a doctor and you're – you know, you work at Methodist Hospital and then you transfer um, and you start doing surgeries at, uh, uh, you know – uh, T- Texas Presbyterian Hospital or whatever it is, right. right? You're still doing the same thing, yes, but you've got new nurses, new processes, new systems, new procedures, so on and so forth. And you have to earn the respect of those new employees around you while also trying to you know, figure out all those systems, right. work on your craft and be the best that you can be. It's not like, oh, I just pick up and you and you move over and, and it happens for you. It's the exact same thing with transferring. And I'll relate it to my uh, specific experience. Yeah. Went to Oklahoma. It took me four years to really earn the trust of all the guys in that locker room, all the coaching staff. They knew my work ethic. They knew what they were going to get from me day in, day, day in and day out. When I transferred down to AM, I had to prove to Coach Sumlin. I had to prove to my left tackle, Avery Genesee. I had to prove to our, our young starting running back and Travion Williams that I was going to be the hardest worker in the weight room. I was going to better myself in there. I was trying to learn a new offense that Coach Mazzoni brought in. I was trying to you know be nice to all the support staff. There is so much that goes <laughs> into having to develop yourself in such a short period of time that next yeah. thing you know – Boom, whistle blows, it's the opener of your season, and you better have put all that time and energy in because that's when the lights turn on and the fans see it, and they think it's, oh, he was there last year. We hadn't had football, so we all went to sleep and hibernated for the offseason, and now he's just wearing a different jersey. No, it is hard. It is not easy, and it takes a lot for a guy to do that. So all these guys playing at a high level, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, uh, all these transfer guys, mad respect to these guys because it's not an easy thing to do. I I really appreciate that, and I just I just wanted to get that that part in because I think folks think about transferring as like I just pick up and move it up like it's Legos, right? Where you just like you move the yellow piece over to this piece, and then you click it together, and then it works. And it's not that easy. It's really really hard, and it's hard. From a coaching standpoint, it's hard from a player standpoint. And it's also hard from just your these players are also people, you know? Like you're 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 leaving the thing that you committed to and you really liked and you enjoyed it, or maybe you didn't like, 
and you had to find a new place to go. So I just wanted to put that in. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about these. What do we have? We have one, two, three, four. We got four undefeated teams. Which of these four undefeated teams do you think goes undefeated? The good thing is we have two of them, Ohio State and Michigan. Let's start with them. They're <laughs> going to play each other, so they both can't go undefeated. But go. we have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. Um, can we rank which order we think that they – like, which, what's the odds that each of the, one of these teams finishes undefeated, Coach? Well, you, uh, let's first of all say I think Vegas is telling you what you need to know this week against <laughs> Texas, right? There are the odds. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's 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 the odds now, right? It's uh. Um, let me hang on. I'm I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to the. I got to go to the daily lines. Yeah. We're going to the daily lines. Uh, my I have seven. Let's yeah. see. Seven or eight. Seven or eight points. Yep. Does that make sense? So there, there you go. There. Yeah. Seven so, points. They're 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 saying the same thing that you're saying, Trevor. Right, you said yeah. earlier you were talking about Tennessee and Oregon uh, going straight up and beating TCU. Obviously, Vegas believes in you too. <laughs> That's where they are. So you know you you eliminate Michigan or Ohio State because they got to play each other. Yeah. Uh, process of elimination. Georgia's got the best chance right now. Okay. I listen. I love the dogs. I'm. I am. I have. I've gone from a dog's doubter to a dog's believer. Because they came out in that football game against Tennessee and they looked like a team that was like, you know what? We might have to put up 50 this game. Let's do it. There's, there's also enough. Uh, I'll say this too. And, and Trevor, you, you, you've been there. We've been there. Mm -hmm. there's, even though those seven or eight NFL players off of defense left last year. Yes. There's enough guys in that locker room. And mm -hmm. that coaching staff that have been in that position, Tennessee has not, right? No. So to get to number one, there's a lot of hoopla. Hype's doing a great job, right? Doing a great job. But you're managing something that nobody, nobody at Tennessee's seen since who knows when, right? 2007. Yeah. So you're managing something that's different with a team that's never been there and guys yep. that don't understand what that takes. And don't think – that Kirby didn't take the opportunity to 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 tell his team, hey, look, you know what? This is a slap in the face. We are the defending national champions. Uh, screw these guys. And they played that way last Saturday. I, I agree with you. I think they did play that way. I think that there was some merit to them not having been there, so they didn't feel the weight. Mm -hmm. Right. The problem was Georgia just decided, hey, we're about to come out and whoop that ass. That's it. Exactly. I think they, they, but the part what for me was the aggression on offense. And Trevor, like Trevor, you hop in because the the aggression that Georgia showed on offense, that's what did it for me. That's what made me. I'm fully converted. I've been, listen. I've been. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in on Georgia. I'm all the way in. Like these guys. If they want to, if they want to score fifty points, they'll score fifty points. And Darnell Washington is some sort of this psycho cheat code, where it's essentially tackle over when he's in the game. But it's also what if we put LeBron James out here and just had him run a, run a streak, right? 
Yeah, I, I, um, I think that Georgia showed us that they can flex their experience muscles yes. uh, this past week. And, Coach, you're absolutely right. The been there before factor does make a difference. We've all, even our listeners, if you've yeah. played even high school level football, mm-hmm. you know the first time you run in there on varsity or at the college level, the Ooh. first time you run out there for your first snap or at the pro level, same thing. From high school on, that first snap, that first game, that first season, you're, you're shaking in your boots. You, you probably make the wrong read. My first play of my college career, we ran a little zone play. The DN crashed. I could have pulled it, pitched it to our, um, our our off back that came around for the pitch, and he would have walked 75 yards to the end zone. I was so nervous. I didn't want to make a mistake. I just handed the ball off, and then you settle in. It's the same thing for a team like Tennessee or a team that has not been there before. Right. You're just sitting there going – Man, we've seen this. We've run this a million times. We're fifth-year seniors, but let's run the zone play again. We're going to pull it. We're going to pitch it because we've just been there before. Tennessee is like I was. Hey, there's a lot of pressure. You know, let's let's go in there and let's yeah yeah we're going to play out, but we really just don't know what we don't know. And and I think Georgia showed that this week. Now, granted, it was a home game. And they are super talented, but that been there before factor, I think, plays in very nicely this time of the year. So here's what I'm going to say: the the Kenny McIntosh play, uh, first quarter, a minute and like thirty two to thirty two to go. I, I'm not expecting you guys to know that. I'm just I'm reading off these like weird notes that I have. Um, but it's Georgia knowing what you're going to do. Because everybody knows when you're playing cover three, and then you have one guy to you have one guy to one side. What's that guy doing? He's playing man to man essentially. And then you have trips to the other side, and you've got your money down, this down, and you 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 know what you're doing. And George was like, "Oh, if we keep the running back in the backfield, and then push him to the wheel, those linebackers have to make a choice." Or that say that whoever's playing curl to flat has to make a choice. And they ran him as a wheel and it came like it looked like a flare. Mm-hmm. And then so he's coming down hard. And then he a little bit inside. Oh, guess what? Oh, you're wide open. You're completely wide open because the corner's gone. There's nobody over you. And it just was like, I was just looking at it like. They're being aggressive. You know, does that do you you see what I'm saying? Like you see what I'm saying? Like they're being they're being aggressive and they're making choices based on knowing the tendencies and understanding what's happening. And I do think that I think Georgia is slowly li- living in the Alabama world of understanding tendency. And I think that's a huge, huge step for them to take. Am I like you guys? Tell me if I'm crazy, Coach. What do you? What do you? Yeah, I, I think in in that same realm, I think they're figuring out or starting to figure out who they really are, right? Yeah. And and what they can do. What Stetson Bennett? Because you know, let's be honest. Early in the year, offensively, like who are they? Right. right. You get you have arguably 
you know, and it's different. Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey is who the, they were. The two best tight ends in, in maybe in the NFC Central, right? <laughs> <Those> guys, right? <laughs> no, seriously, right? Yeah. You know, just, I mean, they're, 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 these guys are ridiculous, right? But yeah. who has guys like that on any football team that are tight ends of that caliber? You got to figure out how to use that, right? How to use both of them because they're freaks. I mean, yeah. freaks. And, and, and on a football field, to either block, throw the ball, do whatever. And so that is just not a normal thing to have two guys running around like that that are tight ends. You've got wideouts, you've got running backs, but you got to get those guys the ball. And yeah. figuring that out is not easy. And so I think they have started to find out what those guys can do either as uh, players that, that are primary or because they've established themselves as such great players and such great talents, what they can do to attract their own defense and create openings for everybody else. So right. that's not easy to do, and I think they've figured that out right now. Let me let me ask you something. You think Kirby is loosened up with Munkin and letting Munkin do a little bit more? I, I, I don't know that that's the case. I mean, he's a, Munkin, okay. he's a great coach. I think – I'm just saying, you know, from a play calling standpoint, you got to figure out what are you going to do with those guys, right? Okay. You got two great tight ends, but who who else is, has that in the in the history of, you know, really football right now? I mean, two guys right. that may be the best at their position in the country, okay? So, yeah. you know, we got to get them both on the field, but now how do we use them? Do we flex them? Do we put them in here? We put them in the back. That that takes time, right? And, and then based on the defense and what you said – now we're able to attack and use them in a lot of different ways because, hey, if, if if those two guys are on the field because of our running game, because of the size, you're going to get a Bot, lot. Of you have to. You got to go heavy. You got to go heavy package. Right? A lot of single high, and then now you, you create one on ones on the outside. It's it's you know, but that takes time to figure that out, right? And you have to create respect for those players if you don't get them the ball, you know, or do certain things for them. Then, then guess what? you're going to get different defense. So I think, you know, Todd has, he's, he's a great coach. And I think this is taking some time for them to figure out who they are offensively and with all the talent that they have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, Trevor, I want to like as a quarterback. I mean, let's just start with what 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 Coach someone just said. As a quarterback, if you're going to play twelve personnel and you have two of the best tight ends in the country, you know that they still, especially blocking tight ends, mm -hmm. you know they've got to they got to go base people, right? Mm -hmm. What does that go to? What does that do to you mentally? Well, you know, just because they're in, in 12 doesn't mean it's always um, based looks on the other side, right? It may be based sure. personnel, but it's not always based looks because they're moving this guy all over the field. You're yep. going to get all the looks that you would typically get. I will, I will say this. In the college rankings, the, the college level, mm -hmm. it really this is where coaching comes up to, to, to coach someone's awesome. point. It takes a coaching staff – 
to go all in with their personnel to put those guys in the best position possible to succeed. You got two big time tight ends. You got to figure out maybe not a whole new offense, but dang near a whole new offense. Maybe it's something that you've never called before because you know, those are the best guys on the field as a quarterback, as a tight end, as any player outside of like Case Keenum, who I know that coach someone gave the reins to call some of his own plays because that would do was just a freak mentally at the college level. Most college players, even at quarterback, are taking the plane from the sidelines and they're executing based on the confidence that that coach has in the aggression and in the play call. So they're just out there trying to execute, watching the film, repping it in practice, executing. It really is up to the coaching staff to develop that plan around the personnel that they have. And, and that's a lot of work to do. That's countless hours in the film room. That's countless hours yelling at each other across the board table saying, oh, this will work or that'll work. And and then being um, uh, just being really a visionary of how are we going to attack different defenses? What look are we going to get to this? How can Brock get leverage there? How can we get another guy leverage off of Brock here? So on and so forth. Straight coaching. Yep. But and, I, and to your point, yeah. listen, the reason Case was able to do that, he was also about 25 years old and in year six. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> He'd been, he been in Houston longer than I'd been there. So <laughs> I love it. All right. So we got two law. We got we got two good grief. What a hard thing to say. We have two two loss teams mm-hmm. in the top ten. That's a lot of T's. Two yeah. two-loss teams in the top ten. LSU and Alabama. LSU obviously just beat Alabama. Uh, Tennessee has also beaten Alabama. Alabama's got Ole Miss, Austin P and Auburn left. LSU's got Arkansas, UAB, and AM left. I don't think AM's gonna I don't think AM's probably gonna be a problem for them. I guess Arkansas's the team that's gonna maybe offer some resistance with, with respect to LSU. Ole Miss, I'm still interested in that game. But do you think that we have an opportunity to have a two-loss team pushed to the playoff if they can beat Georgia? I don't think so. That's a, that's a I no. I saw, I saw the head shake no. <laughs> I don't. I just don't see and that scenario. Yeah. Here's the scenario that I've just played up in my head. And, and I know there's plenty of other scenarios <laughs> and plenty of all left. Georgia goes unscathed, and, yep. and so they're they're a team that's in. They they win the SEC title game. They're undefeated SEC champ. They're obviously in. That's also going to make somebody a three loss team. Exactly. That is. That's where I'm headed. Yeah. Yeah, that's where he's headed. Good. Yes. Yep. Ohio State or Michigan. Let's say Ohio State comes out of that one. They win the Big Ten title. They're in. Yep. Let's say. Let's give. T- TCU the benefit of the doubt in the Big 12, even though I think they may get beat by some of these other teams. Let's so T- TCU goes unscathed, unscathed Big 12 champ. There's three. Mm-hmm. In. So you got one more spot. You, you, to me, you have to give that to Michigan, who's a one-loss team, and their only loss would be to Ohio State, or to Tennessee who's a one-loss team, and their only loss is to Georgia. And and, and so you, you're not even talking about, uh, you know, a two-loss team at all. You're not even talking about a team that's playing for the title game in the SEC, which is not what we've seen in the history of the college football playoff. 
right? We've seen teams sure. go into that game. Georgia last year, going into the game, they lose the game. They still go in the national ch- title. Because wow. of the two losses with, with Bama and two losses with LSU, and presumably the third loss with Georgia, it, it, it's got to be one of those two that I just talked about. Because then you still got to talk about Clemson that's a one loss. You got to talk about all the Pac-12 teams that might be a one loss. There's well, in my opinion, there's no way that there's a two loss team in the college football playoff. Well, that's what we're that's what we're getting at though is the idea that they stay as a two loss team, which means that they do beat Georgia, Alabama, or LSU. One of them, whoever gets there, they beat Georgia. They win the SEC. They are the conference champ. And Coach Sullivan, you know this. They they said that they put premium on being a conference champ. Yep. Yep. So if you're the conference champ. You come out of the West and you're the conference champ with two losses. Now we have seen a two-loss LSU team win a national championship, no doubt. Because the, but and their whole thing was what we were undefeated in 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 regulation, right. which was that was very funny. Um, but <laughs> the reality of it is, is if that happens. What do you, what do you do? Like you got a two if you have a one loss Georgia team, a one loss Tennessee team, a two loss LSU, or a two loss Georgia, or excuse me, a two loss Alabama team. LSU and Alabama are the champions. Tennessee and Georgia are one loss teams, but not the champions. How do we sort it out? I can I can tell you this. <clears throat> it's kind of interesting you brought this up because when I got to the SEC. You got to remember, Nick won two national championships without winning the SEC, right? Yeah. People forget about this, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, when he first got there, he said it was easier to get to the national championship than to win the SEC title, which he had done twice. So those scenarios can, they have happened and can happen. And, 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 you know, that, that, you know, I'll give you another. I'll give you another. Tennessee, Tennessee. Wait, wait, wait. Tennessee said it. So if, if you got yeah. Oregon, Oregon, UCLA, right? Yeah. There's no more divisions now, right? Yeah. You got a one-loss team. Whoever wins that game is going to still have one loss if they continue down the road. They got to turn around and play each other again. Yep. Right? Is that right? So you know, so who's the pack? If you got a one-loss Pac-12 champion who's beaten one of those teams twice, where do they go? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's it's rough. It's really hard. Like it's literally like I I think Tennessee is sitting in the catbird seat. Am I crazy for saying that? Well, they still yeah. I mean, you, you, three weeks ago, because of who they've beaten, you, you said you said that was crazy. I've been saying that all along about Tennessee, but right now because of the East, because of their loss, right? If they win, they're, they're not going to get to the championship game. They get to sit around and watch. Okay, yeah. and, and as I said, we've seen it before. We've seen national champions come out without going to the SEC championship game right. and win a national championship and not an SEC title. Yeah, I just I like Tennessee for me, they feel like it, it, Trevor, what do you I see I see you shaking your head. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Tennessee's I think they're sitting in the catbird seat because they can win out one loss. Who knows what's going to happen between LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. And they're going to be like, what about us? Yep. Because it, it really is at this point, 
whichever lens you put on and how you want to go down the rabbit hole because right. you're you're now you're comparing one loss conference champions to one loss non-conference champions who may have lost in the conference championship or in Tennessee's case a one loss non-conference champion didn't even go to the conference game but their only loss is to a the fantastic Georgia team we could we could, yeah <laughs> it's going to be tough on the it's going to be very tough on the committee because you're you're going to have to choose whether the conference championship means something or if it's truly the best four teams, right? I mean, right. it goes back to what is the rubric? Is Tennessee yeah. better than the one-loss conference champion UNC if that happened, right? But but because yeah. they're the conference champion, does that go – does that go further, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I know that that Yogi will talk about how great of a process it is, but I, I wouldn't want to be uh, sitting around that rich mahogany table to make these decisions. <laughs> All right, so let's talk. Let's let's talk some Big Twelve. Uh, I know you guys got some Big Twelve experience, so let's get into let's 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 start with Oklahoma. Uh, we're we are in what is this week eleven, and OU is they're on the verge of bowl eligibility. They're a completely different team with with Dil, with Dylan and Dylan Gabriel in the game, right? Like that's like that's to me that feels like the difference in this football team. They are they they absolutely are. Let, let's let's set that straight. If Dylan Gabriel's in the game, we have a chance to win the football game. If Dylan Gabriel is not in the game, it's Oklahoma wrong. does not have a chance to win the football game. And, and I mean that. Yes. Now, just because they've won a couple games, I mean, I know Kansas is playing good, and I know Matt Campbell does a great job at, at Iowa State. That sure. being said, those are their most recent wins, dating back to – Mm -hmm. Nebraska, dating back to the to the Nebraska game, then they come <laughs> out and they actually they actually play relatively decent against a good Baylor team, but everybody takes their turn, right? And Dylan Gabriel turned the ball over. Now that yes. they were not all his fault. Tip balls. It was very you know very unfortunate. Yes. But you turn over the football and you end up losing the game to Baylor. You hey, kept. Can I call a timeout? Can we – there's two things. Can we talk about how we legislate tip ball interceptions? Because they seem to just go on to the quarterback immediately. And then to go carry that point further, can we talk about targeting really quickly when a quarterback throws a ball that he should never throw and the safety – does his best to, you know, hit the guy in the midsection, but the ball's low and the guy's down. Like, we've got to take, like, there's – quarterbacks shouldn't have responsibility for tip balls, but they also should have responsibility for those plays, right? Am I am I crazy for that? So, Felder, what you, you're looking for is basically a baseball rule like an error. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> is it a hit? Is it a, you're looking for an error. So a quarterback who was 23 of 28 
one with one three I, errors, one int and three errors, or the three errors. Error. So it's not an right. earned run. It's not that's an earned, not earned run. run, right? It's an average. <laughs> Come on, man. That's not. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. But I will. I will defend a, a defender on this. Targeting is tar- some of these targeting calls are just. It's impossible for a defender. And and us watching on TV, we're all like, yeah, he hit him in the head and neck area. Yeah, it looked like he, you know, you know, he lunged, or yeah, it looked like he put his head down. But you guys know this. When you're out there on the field and that offensive guy braces, so his head drops six more inches, or the ball is thrown low, that happens so fast that it's yep. it is not to a defender because they go and watch the replay, you know, in the little booth, and it's like ultra slow motion, and it doesn't take into account the speed of the game. And I, yeah. I'm with you. I think I think they should be a little more lenient on that. But I get the you know this player safety and everything else. Sure. So error, error <laughs> on the the uh, the referee. I'm just saying, don't. It's, maybe it doesn't have to be a yellow flag, coach. Maybe it's a white flag. You throw just you just so throw you're, you're, or, so or you, a quarterback flag. Completion percentage would go up. He'd have basically like Trevor said an ERA, right? Yeah, <laughs> but he but it, but it might go down. Burn right on me, right? <laughs> it, it might it might go down if he's throwing hospital. Balls. <laughs> exactly. It might. It might. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But no, I I just I I'm listen when I I'm looking at I'm looking at Oklahoma. And the big thing for me with Oklahoma, I, I know they just lost to Baylor, but they won two in a row before that. And West Virginia's coming up, and I don't know what we're going to get out of West Virginia. Do you, do, do you guys have any idea what we're going to get from West Virginia? No. No. <laughs> but, but to be honest with you, to Trevor's point, right, what are you going to get from Oklahoma? Are they going to play defense this week? Right? Because for three yeah. weeks, they didn't play at all. If the quarterback None. plays, they got a chance. But yeah. he said, West Virginia, you look up, well, they're done, and you, and you turn the TV on at the end, they're celebrating. They've scored 30, 40 points, right, yep. two weeks ago. So, I'm, you know, you don't know who they are. And 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 in a, in a certain kind of crazy way, that's who the Big 12 is right now. Okay? Yes. So you don't know who's going to show up. The K-State that beats Oklahoma State – by 40 something or the Oklahoma oh, state that wow. shows up and beats Texas. Right. I mean, who, who, you don't know where you're going to get every week. So uh, to say, you know, what's going to happen at West Virginia, Oklahoma, heck who, I mean, who is Oklahoma? State? who are these guys? Because the one week they look great the next week, they can't get out of their way. And, and, you know, it's just, it's a crapshoot for the fans and for anybody every week. It's it's why it's why it's 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 wild. So Baylor three game win streak. This is a team that is what do they have three losses and they were the pick to win the conference and they played the Kansas State team that you just mentioned. K State they rolled what you jig with with a with a with a backup quarterback without Martinez. Without Martinez, they rolled. And now what do we expect? What do we expect from Baylor? I mean, you talk about consistent 
consistency. How many weeks does it take to to win football games or to play at a certain level to call it consistent, right? Yeah. I don't think this is necessarily consistent quite yet. They've had some really, really rough moments this year. They've yes. played some really, really bad football. But rough conversely, games. they've played some really, really good football. So I'm yeah. not ready to walk in here and say Baylor's, you know, coming out of this thing and they're the LSU of the Big 12 and they've gotten this confidence. I don't think they're there yet. That being said, I believe in Dave Aranda. I know that he's bringing his hard hat yeah. and his lunch pail every day and he's getting after it on the on the practice field and he's instilling every ounce of energy he has into these guys because that's the type of coach he is. So uh, it, it, you can you can kind of hang your hat on that of, okay, we're going to get the best fight out of Baylor. Um, we hope that they're prepared and they're not falling off. Um, but then, you know, went up against Kansas State, played pretty good. Kansas State's always been pretty good in these type of moments down the stretch. Who are we going to see? I'll tell you this. All of our listeners, you should go spend your piggy bank at, at Bat River Sportsbook on all these yes. games. Try and, try and get some, some money off you. I know for myself, I'm saving my piggy bank because I don't feel confident in any of these games. No, it's, I'm with you. The, the, you know, it's easy to say TCU because they're undefeated, has been consistent. But every other team in the Big 12 has had a what the hell was that moment, right? Oh, oh man, those guys are bad, right? And then you look up, or two weeks before that, you're saying to yourself, man, Oklahoma State could be a, a top eight football team four weeks ago, right? Or, or you, you say that about uh, some other teams. But, you know, you got Kansas misses three or four field goals. Uh, otherwise, uh, I mean, Iowa State misses three or four field goals. And then in the next week, Kansas misses a couple. It's a matter of there has been no consistency in the league at all except for TCU and and you know that I don't think that's going to change much much as we go. That being said, like I said earlier, Vegas thinks differently this week for the touchdown. They're a touchdown dog, uh, which kind of surprises me. I'll tell you this as as a player and coach. I'm sure as a coach, uh, even as a fan, there is nothing that that irks my spirit more. And, and really, quite frankly, pisses me off more, pissed me off more than when you go out and you have a great practice or a great game or you get off to a great start and you know that it's there. You know that you're capable and the next week or the next play, you just don't get it done. And I feel like that's the story of the Big 12 this year. You've got a lot of teams that have a, the capability of playing at a high level, but the lack of consistency, to your point, Coach, has made them – uh, you know, it would make my head just spin and me just get aggravated because, hey, we know we can play up here. Why aren't we doing it every week? Why aren't we getting it done? And that's across the board of the Big 12. It's frustrating to watch. I I think you I, – I honestly, I think you put a pin in it perfectly. It's – we could be this good, but sometimes we're only this good. And it's a problem, and that's that's what they have to figure out, and, and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, that's Baylor. That's I mean Iowa State. I mean Iowa State's gone through it for what two years, yeah. where they had, I mean we we yeah. Iowa State was a top ten team a year, a uh, top ten team a year a season. Oh, ago. you're being nice. You're being nice when you said sometimes we're only this good because what I see <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we're really bad. I mean really bad. 
And I mean, that's a big drop. Only this good, you're you're being a really nice guy. Because some of those teams, you see them two weeks later, like, are those the same guys playing? Is who's yeah. right? And it did nobody. The same guys are on the field, and it just it's it's. I mean, it's got to be frustrating as hell to the coaches and and, and the players. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I listen. I, we 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 all watched the game, like. The number one game that's the that's this is Oklahoma State against Kansas State. It's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> oh, you lost by almost fifty points. What? Yep. Um, so I want to I want to talk about being this good, but then playing here, and we only got we got we got three minutes to go, and I just want to talk about Ohio State Northwestern, and. We'll spin it forward because we have to talk. We're we're gonna get ready for the Michigan game, and we have to, you know, we've got to, you know, it's we're, we're when we get to Thanksgiving, we'll deal with that. But I, I my takeaway from that game was I was impressed with C.J. Stroud not taking a sack, him moving towards the line of scrimmage instead of running away, and. I know Northwestern is not a formidable offensive opponent, but their defense did show up and didn't make that many mistakes. They just they they can they can Ohio State not run the football? I'll answer this first. I, it was disappointing to me the way that they played. We've we've harped on the fact that CJ Stroud and that entire offense. Um, I think we've used it a couple times on this show haven't got out of second gear, right? right. They, yeah. they still have another gear to get into, um, and they're just kind of cruising through. They are extremely powerful, so on and so forth, all the adjectives. Sure. This week we saw them Stall not out. be able to do what they wanted to do. And and, and every, every team has that for the most part year in and year out. But we didn't expect that out of this offense. And I think – not only the outcome of the game, but also the committee seeing that is the reason that they kept Ohio State put at two and had Georgia jump them. Now, I get it. Sure. Georgia, big-time game. Don't get yes. me wrong. Much bigger game to win. But a week ago, they saw Ohio State as a better team than Georgia. Right. Because week, that changed. To your point, because they, they played a game at halftime and they decided, hey, look, we're going to play the second half. And they turned it on and scored what? Uh, who knows how many points, right? In the second yeah. half, they were blowing a team out. I'll say this. I'm not making excuses, but if you watch the pregame and Urban Meyer talking to to to, to Day, say, hey, man, it, 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 right, Day was like, hey, look, the wind's blowing. The grass is high. It's spitting a little bit here. Yes. Right? And, and Northwestern knew that. I mean, they committed everybody to the box. That wind was 25 miles an hour. There was some there was some other stuff there, right? That took away things, but it's still no excuse. But I'm just saying there were some other factors re- that were involved in them not being able to just dominate the line of scrimmage because of the amount of guys there, because there was not going to be a vertical threat in that game based on the weather. Yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on. And I think that's going to be the big thing. Listen, Ohio State has got Indiana coming up. So we'll see how, how that this takes shape. Um, for Trevor Knight, for Kevin Sumlin, I'm Michael Felder. This is Field of Field of 12. You can, 
If you want merch, fieldof68.shop for everybody. Bet Rivers. Peace out.